0: Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend, and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Hello, culminators. I am I'm very pleased to have with us today an old, 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 old friend. You're tired of hearing me say it, I know, but this is this is one of those uh, '80s friends. Okay, so uh, it's Yoram Hazoni, the the hottest. Political philosopher, uh, certainly among those who traverse the Atlantic, as he does, Yoram Hazzoni of national conservatism fame, and more recently, he's got a new book, uh, which is really important: conservatism a rediscovery. And we're going to talk a lot about the ideas in that book and uh, some of the some of the challenges of. What, he, what he's got in mind, what he's talking about. Yoram, thank you for joining us. How are you today? Ron, thank you for having me on. Uh,
1: as as good as can be, it's uh, election day here in, in Jerusalem, and we have a family barbecue downstairs, hopefully to uh, uh, c- c- celebrate a, a decisive outcome for a change, but no predictions.
0: Is it adjusted? To, uh, you wouldn't want to make predictions since this won't be up for a couple of weeks and, you know, But as I've heard you say before, you're not, you know, you don't make, you don't claim to be in the prediction business anyway. And and anyone who would make predictions regarding Israeli politics these days is really asking for trouble, right? Uh, It is, it's mind boggling. Have you not noticed the, I'm sure you have, in fact, I think I I just heard you. I, I must say that the most recent thing I listened to in preparation for this was your appearance with andrew sullivan which was really good which was really good and i i was once a great admirer of his and i still respect his intellect tremendously and i think he asked you some really good questions i think he really revealed some some weaknesses in his outlook that i think he is probably never going to come to terms with but there was some discussion in your in, in, in your There was some talk in your discussion with him about some of the parallels with American-Israeli politics and even Netanyahu and sort of national, conservatist, national conservative ideal and the non-ideal concept of Donald Trump. I'm not even going there now. We're going to have time to talk about that. Let's take a step back. Tell people who are not familiar with you, which is kind of amazing to think that anyone would listen to this podcast and not be familiar with you, but this is the first time for everything. Tell us what you do, where you do it, and the the things. Just, you know, the the, the one the, the elevator pitch for, for your Amazon. Okay. I, I I don't know I can if I can talk fast enough for an elevator pitch,
1: but it's a very um, tall building. I <laughs> I uh, uh I live with my uh my wife here in uh, in in Jerusalem. Uh, we have uh, nine children um, who are all almost all down downstairs right now. Some with spouses, some with 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 with, uh, with our grandchildren. Um, I, my 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 business is uh, is uh, uh, ideas. I have spent uh, decades. Um, raising money, organizing um, people to do uh, serious scholarly research on subjects that are not usually covered by the universities. Um, questions like, um, you know, it, it, what, is a Jewish, what is a Jewish state? Uh, how can it be a, a legitimate political entity? What does it mean? What, what is its, its, its history? And, and, and what should you think about it? That was that was one 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 of my first books. Um, questions like, uh, are there any ideas of worth in in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Bible, or in Chazal, in the rabbinic literature? And if so, then uh, then why are these not these ideas? Why are they not studied as as part of intellectual history, as part of uh, the his the history of political ideas um, and uh, Another big question um, was: Was the Western world and Christianity shaped to any significant degree by uh, by the Jewish political tradition? Uh, th- th- there are at this point quite a, quite a few good scholars uh, who, for the last uh, twenty years, have been arguing that the answer is is yes, and all of this um, comes down to. Uh, the world in which we live today, the, the ideas that I'm talking about uh, are, are, are not just ivory tower ideas, they're ideas that are uh, important for understanding the political crisis that we're all living through right now, and uh, for uh, trying to shape a direction for us to go in, if, if, if there's going to be any kind of um, uh, restoration of, of the kind of America-Britain um y- y- Europe that uh, that we would want to live in or be part of um, so th- th- those are the questions I deal with um, in recent years I've I- I've been uh, chairing an outfit called the Edmund Burke Foundation which uh, runs uh, annual uh, national conservatism conferences both in America and in Europe uh it's it, it's it's been very successful in uh, in the sense that it's, uh, rapidly growing is it going to grow fast enough to be able to turn things around you know only god knows
0: yes and 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 uh you know uh, to to paraphrase again uh, something that, that i think you said to uh to andrew sullivan it is it it's is not our job to complete the work but as they says in, in Avos but uh, to to endeavor to do it to the best of our abilities. Very, very broad translation there. You just said something that triggered me, uh, my, my thinking. And again, it's not really a, um, and that's going to happen when talking to you. Um, I, I have been reading this book that has disappointed me profoundly um, because I'm very much, very, I'm kind of a medievalist and I'm very interested in the history of the church and, and the history of of uh, of, of europe and i was astonished in reading this book that there was no recognition whatsoever of where catholicism comes from and right. where and where the and, and he was talking about all these church fathers who made these tremendous and and, and of course I, in the back of my mind as i'm reading this was what you, what i learned from you in your previous book about the nature of the catholic church as a an empirical institution, not an imperial institution, as opposed to a nationalistic institution uh, or one that encourages nationalism. Although there, there are there are strains cutting in, obviously in both directions there, but it, it is the fact, so I, it is fascinating to me to hear you say that there has been a, a movement, not only I assume among people such as ourselves who are deeply committed to, the Jew, to Jewish traditional life and continuity, but I assume what you, when you say scholars, you mean people in universities, uh, people who who don't wear yarmulkes, uh, people who, you know, can you tell me a little bit about that before we jump into some of the other stuff that I have been writing notes about here? Because again, you, you triggered the thought. Uh, sure. Um,
1: l- let me begin with something uh... Uh, a, a historical fact, I'm, I'm going to oversimplify a little bit. We can we can fill it in a little bit more later. but um, the the big change in the universities uh, in Europe and America, and uh, this eventually affects universities in, in Israel just as much, the, the big change in, in European universities occurred around 1810 when the, um, when Christianity, was replaced as the as the as the governing purpose and framework for uh, for for universities in, in, in Western countries, and uh, 1810 is the the year that the University of, of Berlin was founded, um, and it uh, it had uh, uh, as its theory that uh, an Enlightenment rationalism, Enlightenment and science would replace Christianity as the heart of the university. Um, this is the, the most famous figure associated with it is, is Humboldt. And he described the the history of ideas as, as kind of a, uh, as many other Enlightenment thinkers did, as kind of a, a superhighway f- uh, uh, going from ancient Greece, from ancient Athens, kind of more or less directly to Berlin, okay. In between, lots and lots of darkness, and um, you know, so you, you you get professors, you know, of this of this kind, like like Hegel, um, who uh, would literally say that you know uh, the light shined on mankind in Athens, and then there was you know uh, fifteen hundred years or uh, of darkness. During, during, during the Middle Ages. And then when you get to Descartes around 1600, he says, you know, now we feel that we're reaching the shores of true philosophy and true light. You know, this kind of bombastic um, uh, con- reconstruction of the, the entire history of, uh, of, of the Western world as, as though it goes from, from Greece to Berlin. Now, one of the key elements of this worldview as you can immediately guess, is that you know somebody's left out. And uh, there's actually a lot of somebody's left out. But the, the most important somebody that's left out is, uh, is uh, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu and, uh, and the prophets of Israel and, uh, and the Jewish tradition, which uh, existed for you know, centuries before um, a, a, a group of uh, Greek-speaking uh, Jews wrote the New Testament and, and founded what became the christian church now th- this view has uh, jews and judaism as uh, being explicitly hegel says a a a an abject an abject nothingness a a, a a vacuum where no ideas were these these are th- this is hegel's view of the contribution of jews to Christianity and to Western civilization. So the, the,
0: that so was- we're, And we're talking about the Jews, the Jews in the line, but in other words, we're not talking about what's going on among the Jews during the middle ages when there's, the, there's this incredible flowering of Talmudic scholarship. He couldn't care less about that. That's a given, we know that. We're just talking about do the Jews who founded Christianity and thereby founded western civilization as we as they knew it did did they matter at all well the
1: the Jews who founded christianity do matter but hegel claims that they that they are a creation ex nihilo that is that that um that the spirit that gave birth to christianity was uh um uh what w- w- was uh, a break with the past it was, it was an immacu- It was a complete blank. Immaculate but conception. but it's modeled on this immaculate conception that that uh, that the the ideas that are the basis of Christianity owe no debt whatsoever to the Jews. They do owe a debt to the Greeks, but not to the Jews. This is this is a uh, a, a, a prefabricated standard view um, that uh, German academia uh, influenced to no small degree by actual anti-Semites. Um, uh, constructed this view, and even though there have been um, in the 200 years since then, plus that, that there have been, you know, both both Jewish scholars and and uh, and Christian scholars who have struggled against this story, but it's still the case that it 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 is so dominant that you still, I mean, even in places where there are just there are no anti-Semites whatsoever. I mean, the anti-Semites are gone. And and you're sitting in a political theory department like the one where I studied at uh, at Rutgers, where I did my doctorate. And I, I I literally don't think there was a single single person who was anything like an anti-Semite in the department. Although they they were they were all liberals, and and for them, you know, they did the same thing. You, you sit down the first first year in graduate school to, to to learn political theory, and the first year you you begin with Athens, and then you proceed through the you know the same story. So they 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 they, they add Augustine, they add a little bit of Aquinas, but basically the story is the same.
0: So what the Germans yeah. did with linguistics, they also did with political philosophy. They is did it the... with political philosophy. They did it with with, with philosophy. They it was all with...
1: main Judenrein religious religious studies i mean if you think about the way that the bible is taught in most universities today that all is descended from you know from from the the uh, anti-semitic german university and 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 if you try to take courses in bible in most universities you can't even you can't even study it as literature much less study it as philosophy as ideas that
0: are worth something to the world so so i don't want to get to, like you and I would have probably enjoy this for the entire 45 minutes, but right. there has been, nonetheless, you're telling me a movement in, let's say, the last 10 years to sort of rediscover the fact that the, the church did not, in fact, appear out of nowhere and that its ethics and its cultural sensibilities actually didn't come from the moon yep. or from it's, an immaculate conception.
1: It's it's been it's been since I would say since the 1990s okay there's there, there's there there's been a movement to uh, to try to place uh, uh, the Hebrew Bible uh, and, and maybe even some later Jewish sources with within the context of, of the, the the history of Western ideas the history of political theory and and so on, so uh, an example. A famous example is uh, uh, Professor Adrian H- Hastings, in the 1990s, uh, wrote wrote a, a book called *The Construction of Nationhood*, in which um, he was was trying to understand where the idea of of national independence and a world of independent states, where does that come from? And it you know it's very clear that it doesn't. It doesn't come from Greece because the, the Greeks had their city states. They knew what an ethnos was. They knew what a nation was, but they didn't have the idea that the Greek nation should be united in 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 a, in, in a single uh, independent country. And certainly didn't come from the Romans, who you know were were whose whose views were basically uh, about world empire. You know, j- just like the, the Babylonians and the Assyrians and and Alexander before them. Um, so Hastings. Um, wrote this path-breaking book, which he said, "Look, basically, where the this idea comes from is from the Hebrew Bible, from the Old Testament, and wherever the Hebrew Bible is um, is is translated into a, the vernacular, into the local language, you then see in history people reading this and and thinking about politics in terms of." nations and of national independence they they learn from the jews the value of an independent nation and And, where it's uh, not
0: translated to the vernacular meaning where protestantism did not take hold that you don't you you don't have that so much and then germany of course presents that tension because you have you have both
1: yeah you know i um what you're saying is is uh uh has has truth to it because the you know the the most important um, uh, moment of thinking about national independence is uh, is um, with with uh, the Protestant Reformation and particularly the Westphalia treaties, um, which which, uh, uh, which recognize. In in principle, the idea of national independence, different countries having having uh, uh, different religious commitments. But I I, I should say that pe- people who um, who want to see this as just Protestant versus Catholic, I, I think that that's just I think it's just not true. I think that um, that the 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 Catholic idea that uh, that uh, that. The universal church should be responsible for Catholicism, you know, based in Rome, uh, all over the world. Um, that that's an idea that that emerges victorious, you know, in in the 11th century, and up until then, there's there's a long history of Catholic countries in which the kings were appointing the bishops. That is, the the kings were as a matter were, of course,
0: as a, ma- right, as it wasn't, a matter that of wasn't course, scandalous. That was part. That was how. The that was the just church. right yeah
1: that, that was that was just the way that Catholicism was in, in its early history. And so today if you if you talk to knowledgeable let, let's say Polish Catholics or or French Catholics uh, who are also nationalists, po- Polish Catholic nationalists, French Catholic nationalists who who are steeped in this history, Often you'll get a surprising answer for them and they'll say, what, what are you talking about? this idea that you know the, the, that the Holy Roman Empire should conquer the whole world and make Catholicism you know the the, the religion of the whole world centered in Rome this this is a German idea. I, you, I actually have people telling me this. you know what it, they wanted to use that idea in order to to crush and conquer the Polish national, Catholic Church or the French National Church, the Gallican Church. So, so it is a little bit more complicated. No, that's
0: today. no, it, it is. I understand that because uh, you know, if you, if you look at the history of Anglic, uh, of 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 the Anglican Church, there's, the, there's a, there even at that late stage, even hundreds of years later, there's an understanding that well, there's a there are monarchs. Monarchs are fine. We, we don't have a problem with monarchs. In fact, I'm going to use that to drag us over to where I really thought we were going to be talking. Because, but I think it's a perfect segue and you actually helped me make it, which is in places where the Hebrew Bible is studied, in places where the vernacular is studied, let's talk about Puritans. Let's talk about, uh, and as we know, uh, the, 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 the the English Puritans uh, were very involved with Old Testament study in a way that had not been as in vogue certainly in previous years and among the founding fathers and their generation of intellectuals knowing hebrew was a was a was a thing yep now let's get to your new book this idea and and the segue is going to become more clear (laughs) this idea that what is needed is a sort of spiritual political renaissance refer uh, or or rebirth renewal which is a hundred you're not gonna get any that's the only possible way that this society survives well jane coleman and i my wife mm-hmm. our idea of a shabbos table conversation is talking about what happened to the Puritans. i mean after we after the different are set we can't figure, because she she, she teaches um, American literature, and, and she's from New England. And we're always wrestling with this idea that, here you had the Puritans who were supposedly the ethical and spiritual and cultural fathers of America. And as Orthodox Jews, there's so much about their sensibility. Well, there's a lot that's very different from the way we see things, but there's also a lot that that resonates. And yet we see that once they start waxing rich, the religious fervor, the focus, the dedication, the large families, the work ethic, disintegrate. And one of the things that Andrew Sullivan said to you was, even if we can posit this idea that it's necessary and healthy for a society, to regenerate its spiritual institutions and its respect for traditional religious structures to succeed. How do you do that when people simply can't believe anymore? So one factor that I think that has been corrosive toward belief is wealth. But that doesn't have to be the case. We see in our community. I I don't mind saying that it's it's understood that wealth is a challenge to one's spirituality. But there are nonetheless many people who do very well and who also do very you know seem to be very committed to you know to religious belief. What let's talk about the Puritans, okay? Because when I, when I was looking at your book and I was seeing this historical, uh, I'm actually going to put had uh, meant to get it back on the screen. There have been these cycles in, let's say, American history. Let's focus. Let's, you know, small ball here, okay? Where you, you, we've had these renewals of religious, but you had so the Puritans come here, and then they sort of ebb out. They, you know, the, 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 their, their their spiritual influence and their cultural influence really, they they they, they become liberals. They become what we call the um, mainline Protestant. Uh, denominations which are not which which are the ones that have there's no difference between them basically the democratic party cultural um uh, you know uh program if people don't believe that the bible really means what it says and and in revealed in in revelation what are you what are we working with what 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 it's the 22nd it's the 21st century 22nd it's the 20 it's the 22nd year of the 21st century or is it the 23rd year people who don't believe aren't going to go back to believing this is what andrew sullivan was knocking you on the head about and i think you said you don't have an answer well we we need to figure it out right because we all right you and i believe but it's just no i do no, I, I I do have an answer.
1: It, it's just, you know, it, it's difficult for Andrew. It's different, difficult for a lot of people. Um, say, it, say say it again, because not because I heard it. But... Okay, well look, <laughs> let, 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 let me first just just um, sharpen your point about you're good about, at that. Thank you uh, about the need for uh, for a return to biblical religion, right? And and my you know for people who don't don't know me, my my, my basic line is. Is uh, if you grew up in a Christian family, you should be uh, going back to to Christianity. If you grew up in a Jewish family, you should be going back to Judaism. Um, I, you know, I I certainly express my 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 uh, belief in and preference for Judaism. I tell people I think it's the it's it's the most most direct way to reach God. But I think that right now we're talking about politics and and uh, and what we're looking at is. Uh, it is a crisis of a kind that none of us have ever seen before in our in our lifetimes. Uh, after the Second World War, both in America and Europe, um, the the political uh, culture was was revised to, uh, uh, to 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 adopt something that's called liberalism uh, or Enlightenment liberalism as a substitute religion, like the replacement for the old Christianity, was this. Uh, uh, th- this liberalism, liberalism is a, you know, it, 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 it's a political theory, but it, it 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 it's based on views that directly challenge both Christianity and Judaism. And it's liberal- an absolute good in and of itself. Right. So the the claim is that uh, the the claim of liberal Enlightenment liberal thinkers is that basically what you need to know about politics is that uh, that all men are. Uh, created perfectly free and perfectly equal uh, by nature, na- their nature makes them free and equal, that, uh, that moral and political obligations are, are taken upon yourself uh, through a process of consent. If you don't consent, then you're not really obligated in most cases. And, and, and finally, that the purpose of government is only to protect the rights uh, that the, the rights and the, the equalities that, um, uh, that, that were given to man by nature. Now, this set of ideas, it's possible for somebody to, uh, to be a Christian or a Jew, uh, a serious Christian or a serious Jew, and to sort of simultaneously hold these things. But the, the, the problem is that over time, these axioms, these assumptions cut biblical religion to pieces. I mean, there just there is a difference between um, between a biblical view, which says that that uh, God gives mitzvot. There there uh, there are commandments which shape the moral and political world, and we are obligated and this is with regard to jews as as well as christians and and others that that we have obligations that are not chosen by us you know we're born into a family we have the obligation to honor your father and your mother even though you did not choose your father and your mother and that obligation is goes throughout your entire life you know till 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 they die uh, and after they die you're still obligated to honor your father and your mother even though you never chose it so so there there is a collision um, between liberalism and biblical religion. Uh, but for quite a while, you know, in, in, in America and in Britain, and other places, that you know there was kind of a seesaw battle and a lot of people were in between. After World War II, what happens is that that, that the, the the trauma of the two world wars cause or allow uh, the, the liberals to uh, insist that that no more no more. Now we have a cu- cultural revolution. We're going we're gonna to ban God and Bible and prayer from the schools. That's going to be privatized. It's going to be in the churches. We have no need for it to be part of the, 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 the public arena. And from that moment, which begins in, in uh, 1947 when, when, when the US Supreme Court uh, declares separation of church and state for the first time to be an integral part of the American Constitution and imposes it on, on all 48 states. From that moment, there's the beginning of a steep, radical, cultural revolution that c- c- continues with, uh, with liberalism, privatizing and eliminating Biblical religion, first in the public space, but then, you know, once you send kids to school for, you know, five five days a week, uh, year after year after year, and, and none of their teachers, none of the principals, none of the guest speakers are allowed to talk about God, or, or, or about the Bible, or to pray. Once kids go to school for two generations in that, then, then they come out, they're not Christians, they're not Jews, they're liberals. Now, the, the, the important, uh, the second important point Um, is to understand that that liberalism um, proved itself to be incapable of sustaining itself. You know, a lot of people say, you know, okay, the liberal years weren't so bad. They weren't so bad for Jews. They weren't so bad for other people. But the, the problem is that it, that, that even the good parts about it are not sustainable. The year 2020 is the year. The year that that Andrew Sullivan and Barry Weiss and 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 uh, and, and Bennett and the rest of these liberals were kicked out of their formerly liberal institutions. They were kicked out. Why? Because they were liberals. And right? who kicked them out? Who kicked them out? Is is the is the, the, the young people who've grown up under liberalism and have exercised reason and have thought carefully about you know, about all of these things and their reason has led them to be woke neo-Marxists. And those woke neo-Marxists, they're not liberals at all. They're, they're the children of liberals, but they're not liberals. And in 2020, they effectively took control over most, almost all of the lib- formerly liberal institutions in america and britain and in 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 various european countries also so we have now reached a moment where where if you're a christian or a jew or or you know if you if you believe in in the tanakh or even if you just even if you don't believe which is the question you were asking even if you don't believe but you you see what's coming and you see this woke neo-Marxism, you understand it's going to destroy everything that we value, you know whether we're conservatives or liberals, it's going to destroy everything that we value. You see this coming and you try to understand what force could be strong enough to stand up against this. It's not going to be liberalism, liberalism has already failed, right? There's still some liberals, it's not. So the, the question is what, what could it be? and I, the only answer I know of is is, is, is biblical restoration, is the res- restoration of the, the power and strength of the the biblical
0: vision, both among Christians and among Jews. Okay, so, so now you've actually sharpened my question. So now, given that, so, so again, from the Jewish point of view, we understand that if I might not be a paragon of the Musser School when I say this, but maybe it maybe Hasidim would be more sympathetic to, to this approach. Whether or not your faith is perfect, whether or not you are still a little bit fighting with God, or you're you don't really live with his imminence the way you should, we none of us understand as as Jews, I have a set of responsibilities, and I must get up and I must go two services in the morning and i must put those boxes in my head and i'm gonna do it and i have analogized this in the past to, to to method acting i will use these tools as a way to evoke my connection to god because the tradition tells me that they will yep liberalism cannot deal with this at all because it's it's utterly irrational it's irrational, and it's premised entirely on accepting the legitimacy of a tradition. Yep. And that was cut out from under from you know. I mean, you know, I, mean, I noticed when you mentioned this, you know that that um, 1947 point as a turning point, and I think turning points are always a matter. You know, can always like it's a nice to ha- it's nice to have a good turning point. I mean, FDR was the 30s. Dewey was the 30s, the new, you know, th- I, I, I would agree with you that there was more of a sort of a um, consensus that we're going to go to church on Sunday morning, whether we're feeling all that religious or not, because that's what a person, that's what an American does. And that probably continues through the 50s, when the people who grew up in the 30s were raising families and that they understood that's, that that's what you do. But as you said, it's not sustainable. I keep thinking of Churchill as an example of someone who was not a particularly spiritual person. He, in fact, you'd have to call him an agnostic, but as prime minister of the UK, he understood that certain that certain things should be done th- as through the Anglican church. As, in other words, that it's a, you have something called a Christian nation and Christianity for Englishmen is a package, a traditional package of values that we may or may not always live up to. And again, one of the things that, that's really struck me about your conversation with Andrew Sullivan was liberals are absolutely thrown into a panic by hypocrisy. But how could you vote for... It's true, Trump is, was, the, was the only force who could, who could have saved us from twenty from 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 Biden and what's going on in the United States right now, but he can't vote for him. He, he he's what we call in Yiddish an oisvare. He, he's a he's a bum. He he he's a really crooked. I'm not looking for a son-in-law. <laughs> I'm looking for the president of the United States who's going to make policy choices that are the right ones for me and my family. And he couldn't. I listened to that guy. Kind of, I saw the vein in his head popping when he was asking you these questions. He just because it's a very, very common refrain. yeah, look, there's
1: in 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 my new book on conservatism, um, I, I I try to understand what what is at the heart of of a traditional society that you know that makes it function, that makes it possible for it 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 to work. And uh, a small part of, the argument that I make in this book is that um, that th- that the, the mitzvah of giving kavod, okay, when you give kavod to somebody, respect, right? Well, I, you know, I honor. It, in, 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 I know you, in, it, we need to can, we need to translate it, right? Okay, so so um, I, the best translation is is honor. Reverence is is on. I think the best best translation is honor, but I I want to explain what I mean by this, because, because in the Hebrew, the word kavod, it's related to the word kaved, which, which is to say that when you give honor, kaved means weighty. It means it, it literally refers to the heaviness or the weightiness, the, the heft of something. It's, and and when, when you give honor to someone, what you're doing is you're, you're saying to them, I consider to you to be weighty, to be of significance. You're telling them you're, you're important to me. That, that might be you're honoring your parents. It might be because, um, because you speak uh, in, an, in an honoring way that you speak in a way that uh, that 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 praises them, that praises the way that they live, but it also can has to do with the way you act. You act as though the things that they think and say are are important, and when you disagree, because of course you know children always they're always going to be disagreements between children and parents. But honoring your parents involves learning to say things like like uh, Abba, my father, uh, uh, my father. Uh, is it possible? What would you say in consideration to the following question? That's a way of honoring him by letting him answer, rather than saying, "No, you're wrong." Much less, you know, you're stupid because you're wrong. Now, this this honoring is not just something that relates to your parents. All of conservative society is based on honoring. I mean, you can see that in in the Bible that you're supposed to uh, you're supposed to honor. Uh, elders you're supposed to you're supposed to give honor you're you're supposed to give honor to god you're supposed to give honor to the to 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 the priests and the scholars i mean the, the 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 whole society is constructed around a an a an understanding of what are what are the most important values and raising children from a small age to honor those values now honoring does not mean that that you know that you have to tell lies. You don't have to, you know, you you don't necessarily have to say, oh, you know, God did great things. God did great things for us. My parents did great things for me. Um, if, if, if you feel that you're being, uh, uh, that, that, uh, that you're skeptical or you're doubtful, then, you know, you, you, you might, you might decide to be silent. You might decide to, um, to, uh, be careful, carefully evade the issue for a while. But what you're not going to do is you're not going to come step forward and say, I think, you know. I think that there is no God of Israel. I think that the government is just a bunch of liars. I think that my parents were, uh, uh, abused me growing up and I'm gonna start my own religion because I can think for myself and my brain is smart enough so that I can, I can simply come up with something better than 3000 years of Jewish thinking. That is not a conservative way of thinking. That's the way that children are taught in school today they go to school and they are told, you're smart enough. You should decide whether your parents are right or wrong, whether your teachers are right or wrong, whether your government is right or wrong, whether God is right or wrong. And you know what, there is something noble about that. There is something noble about the search for truth. But if you search for truth, in a society that has no capacity for honor for kavod for making things weighty once a truth a tradition has been discovered that works that most people works for most people if you're not able to give honor then you're not able to learn and this is this is this is the decisive point is when when the christians decided in america to stop giving honor to god and bible and 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 in in the schools, when they stop teaching honoring, they stop teaching to honor your parents, they stop teaching to to honor veterans, to people who serve in the army, they stop teaching honor. And that's an integral clash, that's the inherent clash between a liberal way of life in which you're only and always told, judge for yourself. There's no point in honoring anything unless you personally have decided that it's worth honoring. Okay, and and, and a conservative society where the the assumption is the opposite. The assumption is, you know what, who am I? You know, maybe I think differently. So maybe I'll end up deciding that, you know, that, that I believe differently and I'll change my life. But the assumption is that thousands of years of history have led us to a certain way of life. Our parents uphold it, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, the, the, so many brilliant people and good people have upheld it. Who am I to decide that 3,000 years of history gets to be thrown in the trash and that the whole public, public sphere should be, it should be swept clean? Who am I to make a decision like that? So th- there, this is an, as you said, you said, it's, it, it's, it's irrational. I would say it's, it's pre-rational. It's be, it, like either you grow up with the capacity to honor achievements of others, even if you don't understand them, or you grow up with the capacity without that capacity. And then you think, you, well, I, I have contempt for people. I don't understand what this guy said. So I've contempt for him. I, I'm better, I'll let me run things.
0: That's yeah, the for, and, and for for me uh, uh, another turning point, and we're, we're coming up on a ridiculously long podcast here, and I'm sorry, but it, it, this is, you you know we have a lot of catching up to do. I don't know if we've seen each other in person since I disappeared from your, the couch in your apartment during reunions in '86, uh, uh, you know, before you got up. But there, the Obergefell decision. Was a turning point also but not for the reason most people think and right. obergefell, obviously obergefell says who are we to say what marriage means answer we're the ones to say we're the judges we're the justices but what really happened in Obergefell was not re- what really happened but something else that happened over was that the majority said not only is the is the dissent wrong they have no right to hold that position and and for holding that position, they're bigots. And in dissent, Scalia says, whoa, or, or was it Roberts? Do you realize you're you're turning an entire millennium millennia-old tradition into a twenty-first century concept of political correctness? You can't just Say because you've outvoted us that now we're illegitimate, but but uh, to me that is a child of what you're of what you're talking about. They could not hold of the of the weightiness. Of the was res- there's a lack of respect, a lack of kavod, that you you, you no longer are expected to extend to intellectual um, adversaries. Well, listen, I will continue yeah. to. To to hold tremendous respect for, for you, but I I just think we're, we you know everyone should read this book. I think I think you 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 are struggling with those with those issues that that I think people, uh, and especially people people who are fortunate to to live a life of faith and understand what it does for a human. You know, I used to be someone who believed he had to. It's all about me, right? Who had to understand everything. And, or, and or, when I first went to Ashtar Torah in, in Jerusalem, I'm not going to do, everyone was going to, the stipler, I was there when the stipler passed away. R- 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 uh, Rabbi Kamievsky, great leader of the Jewish people, and everyone went to the funeral. Come on, this is an historic event. You should go, I don't know who he is. I'm. I'm why would I do that? I mean, I'm not convinced of that. I missed out on that. I was alone. I was alone in the old city of Jerusalem. Everybody else, because I was, I thought I had to be convinced of every single thing before. I missed out on that. One of the things you grow up, and and this is an aspect of maturity also, right? I mean, you have nine children, as you mentioned. As you grow up, as you raise children, you begin to understand the limitations of your judgment and of your ability to control things and to understand things and to predict things uh, as you know the in order to be on on the to San, the sanhedrin the, the, the great jewish high court um a judge had to be married and have children he had to have that completeness i mean we live in a society now where people have very small families if they have committed families at all and if they, and they don't you know they large families or even catholics don't have large families anymore i to me that is part Every it's it's you know listen I sound like one of those people one of those wretched old people complaining about the old days but that, that's what we do I guess right well uh, very quickly I, I think the 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 answer to the question of
1: of how can you bring back uh, a country that's on the brink where people have lost the traditions and lost the capacity to honor them so I I, I think the basic point the most important point is that. Um, that the fact that the the traditions are dying or dead in most places doesn't mean that they're dying and dead in all places. And part of what I'm asking in the book is for those those places where uh, where there's still a majority that that uh, is capable of upholding a Christian moral vision, a biblical moral vision, uh, and and it could be, Uh, believing Christians and and former Christians and Jews and and all sorts of others, but there are many places in America where if you see what's coming, you see the the, the Marxist cultural revolution, what it's done and what it's going to do, I think that it's possible to put together a pro-Christian, a pro-biblical majority in many places that's willing to uh, reconstruct a public life on the basis of uh, of precedence from from earlier in american history and also from other countries and i also think in your private life and this is this is this is the last you know my last point on this is that that in your private life you know it, being a conservative is not just about voting every four years or every two years being a conservative is primarily about leading a conservative life and so what what i tell young people is you know if if you are not a member of a congregation where there are older people who are still living a life of conservation and transmission, then you 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 can't learn. You have no capacity to learn from from, from past generations, from past centuries. You can't just open up a book and, and think that you're learning about the past. It doesn't work that way. Seeing how people have been married for 60 years, seeing in real life with your own eyes how they uphold their marriage, that's the only way that you can learn how to keep your marriage together. If you don't do that, you won't be able to keep your marriage together. And the same applies for many other things. So the bottom line is, um, if people are willing to join a conservative congregation, Christian or Jewish, or to, to that's still handing down the traditions, if they're willing to be a part of a political effort to... Uh, to revitalize the, the 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 biblical public vision in those places where a majority for it can be can be mustered then then i think you know it may be that god will see this repentance and 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 take take have rachamim have some pity on us and, and and give us another chance
0: that's a great point i mean after all the city of nineveh, why would why would it matter what happened in the city of nineveh because god says i want to see i want to see jonah What's going to happen in the city of Nineveh? That's where I'm. That's th- where I'm going to run the test now. And it's amazing to me what you just said, it was Jeremy, my producer. You can, you can tell me if you remember this correctly. I think when when we did a, a, a virtual event in Iowa that you that, where someone asked a question of, along the lines of, "What can we do?" and I and I think I might might have even said something very similar to what you just said, which was that your life must reflect conservative values it's not and this is the this is the evil of libertarianism it must be real it can't just be a you can't be a philosophical or ethical dilettante it must be real and that means even though you're in college that hookup culture is not going to be you know part of something that you participate in and and that's really hard because people growing up in this in the mass media culture the incredibly overly sexualized culture and as you said i everything hinges on consent everything hinges on consent and if two and if two people or entities agree to it then it's okay that's really really hard for us to understand now with your consent however i will end this discussion and hopefully they've left I, I, I Azonis don't strike me as people who are going to not leave you some something warm still to eat. So go back to the barbecue. Thank you okay. so much, yourron. we We really have been trying to put this together for such a long time, and I missed the train with the last book, but this time we're we're good to go, and hopefully I'll see you again soon. And of course, I'm hearing from you all the time through Rabbi Zupnik. I mean okay. he you know, he buttonholes me frequently to tell me about your his most recent triumph in explaining things to you. <laughs> Okay. Very good. All the best. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Call too. Bye. You too. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.